Welcome to the Swift Healthcare video podcast, exploring the intersection of healthcare and leadership hosted by Dr. Patrick Swift. SwiftHealthcare.com is your resource for healthcare professionals to find coaching and consulting to engage, restore, and transform yourself and your organization. And now here's your host, Dr. Patrick Swift. Welcome to the Swift Healthcare Video Podcast. I'm Patrick Swift, your host, and the content we're going to talk about here is near and dear to my heart and part of the reason why we're in healthcare. We in healthcare, whether you're a physician or nurse or provider, whatever it may be, we're in healthcare to ease suffering, to end suffering, to serve others, to a higher calling. And the guest on the show for today is Asia Gardner. Asia, welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> I'm delighted you're here, Asia. And please, folks, let me uh, read you Asia's bio. And I, if you're listening, I expect you to perk up your ears because by her voice, uh, you can hear um, the enthusiasm and, the, and what I want to share with you. She has wisdom uh, and strength to share with you as well. But this is, this is Asia's bio. Listen to this. Asia Gardner, class of 22, is a junior majoring in biology and history and a 2020-2021 healthcare ethics intern at the Marcula Center for Applied Ethics of Santa Clara University, the Jesuit University in Silicon Valley. <laughs> and I'm calling out um, implicit bias right now. I just share with you as an audience that you're about to hear from a college student. So I yeah. wanna just challenge your brain right now, neuropsychologist to audience. Your brain is engaged in some thought possibly that, well, this person's a, a college student. What do they have to share with me? I, I may be older or I may be younger. What can I learn from them? So I'm from a Gen X perspective. And when I was growing up, there was an expression, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. <laughs> and when Asia Gardner speaks, people listen. And uh, with her leadership, I want you to hear what Asia has done and what she's standing up for in her, in her work. Asia published an article, an amazing article, on the website of the Marcula Center for Applied Ethics at Santa Clara titled, Forced Gynecological Surgeries and Ice Camps Are Unethical. She, with courage, spoke and wrote and is leading. And we're going to get to that article. But first, I want to start, Asia, with just asking you, how did you get interested in healthcare to begin with? What's, what's the passion here? Yeah, that's such a great question. It's kind of like a different story. So at first I wanted to become a physical therapist because I was playing soccer. I was doing competitive soccer and I ended up tearing my meniscus. And during the recovery period, I was like, oh man, physical therapists, they're so cool. And then unfortunately, maybe fortunately, I don't really know, but I ended up being diagnosed with a chronic autoimmune disease. I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And with that, I've spent a lot of time with physicians and rheumatology and the pain management clinic. And I felt like the pain management clinic took care of me like as a person, like as my whole well-being, like helping me adjust to school and all these different things that were going on in my life. And I felt like, oh my goodness, I think this is what I need to do. I think I need to help children young adults in this situation where they've drastically, their life has drastically changed because of some sort of diagnosis and especially dealing with pain. So that's how I ended up realizing I want to do pediatric anesthesiology and focusing in pain management. Outstanding. I, I can relate. I consider being a physical therapist. I'd, um, I mentioned, you know, I acknowledge you're at uh, Santa Clara, you're at Santa Clara University. 
uh, a Jesuit school, the Jesuit University in, in mm -hmm. the Silicon Valley. I, I, folks don't know, but I studied to be a Jesuit uh, when I was um, much younger, uh, before a career in healthcare, I, I studied to be a Jesuit and left the seminary and thought about being a PT. So I, I've, I've walked in that path too and, and respect your, your thoughts about serving others through physical therapy and, and making a difference in that way. But how amazing that you're, you're considering uh, pain management, anesthesiology, and, and peds. I can just picture your career and very excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. So this article that you wrote, let's jump into the article as well, Asia. This incredible article titled, Forced Gynecological Surgeries in Ice Camps Are Unethical. How did that come about? So in mid-September 2020, I ran across an article about how women in Georgia in an ice camp there, ice facility, had forced gynecological procedures without their consent. And it really upset me. And I was like, oh my goodness. And the reason why it upset me was because of the historical like, implications of especially women of color, people from marginalized communities having forced procedures. And it really upset me. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, what can I do about it? Because I felt like if it was happening in Georgia, like that place was exposed, that facility was exposed, what is probably happening in several other facilities. And it really, in my opinion, it really only was popular for like a couple of days and then it went away. I mean, we really did as a nation had a lot going on at that time. So it ended up just going away and being pushed, pushed away. And I was like, oh, but it was still really bothering me. Um, and so in my healthcare ethics internship, Dr. Binkley told us that like we Charles would write, Binkley. yes, <laughs> we would write, each of us would get a chance to write about um, some sort of healthcare, like ethics issue. And I knew from when he told us about that assignment, like I was going to write about this because I was so like upset and I really wanted to write about it and talk about why it was so wrong because I felt like people maybe didn't understand that as to why it was just pushed away so quickly in the media. I felt like this was a really big issue. Mm -hmm. The uh, the New York Times, to underscore your point there, the New York Times published two articles on the topic, uh, one titled, Immigrants Say They Were Pressured Into Unneeded Surgeries. And the second title of another New York Times article was Inquiry Ordered into Claims Immigrants Had Unwanted Gynecological Procedures. And those two articles were in the New York Times, and then it drops out of the headline. And it is a parallel to vulnerable populations and the call for us as healthcare folks, either aspiring into the field, uh, maturing into the field or mellowing at the end of our career here, we're all responsible for being aware that there are currently vulnerable populations right now who are experiencing care that is substandard, that is unethical, that is wrong. So Asia, please share more about that article. And was there a particular instance in that occurrence in Georgia, being a Texan? I, I know stuff happens everywhere, north, south, east, west, um, all over the planet. But here in the States, there are, is a bias to think, well, that stuff happens somewhere else. It certainly is not happening in my backyard. But the truth is healthcare disparities in vulnerable populations are being overlooked everywhere. So let's talk about this one instance as a, as a means to consider what's happening on a larger scale. So is there one particular instance in this episode that you researched and wrote about that stands out to you, Asia? Yeah. Um, I, so I found most of my information from the New York Times and and The Intercept, which is where the whistleblower, Nurse Wooten, she went to expose what was happening here at this facility. And so reading about that, one woman, she was an immigrant from Jamaica, and she had a procedure that she didn't understand why she was having. And so when she was deported back to Jamaica, she went and saw a gynecologist there, and 
they told her that that pr- procedure was unnecessary, that she didn't have this humongous tumor. It was unnecessary. And so she felt extremely violated. And from that, I just felt that was shocking to me because it literally paralleled in my In the article that I wrote, I talked about Fannie Lou Hammer, who was a civil rights activist, and how she had a forced hysterectomy. And um, and this was so common. I just felt like the two paralleled, like going in for a procedure and something happening that you didn't plan or didn't understand why it needed to happen, and especially to Black women. It just Mm -hmm. really got underneath my skin, and I felt like I really had to talk about it. And I think from the procedural process, there may be a listener thinking, well, there was a reason why the doctor was in there, so they must have been doing the right thing. And I think it's worth important pointing out that people are given options all the time. Here's the informed consent that involves, here's the disease process, here's the options, and here are the consequences. If we do this, you may never be able to have children again. And what you're touching on is the frequency of these procedures being done without an interpreter. Whether this person is an immigrant or not, I'm Mexican-American. My mother from Mexico, my father from Texas. I grew up in Texas in which folks would talk about the Mexicans as a second class. It is an unconscious occurrence. And so there are assumptions that the majority culture is going to get that care that they're supposed to get. But the truth, Asia, that you're touching on is the fact that there are human beings on this planet and there are human beings in our states, the United States of America, not divided states of America, but United States of America, who are receiving care that is not outlining what the risks are with surgeries and women are losing the right to have children. And that sounds like eugenics. We're on a slope that's leading toward some really ugly stuff in our history. And it's not that long ago. And what we're shedding light on, thanks to you, Asia, is that this is happening still now today. And that's wrong. So uh, I just want to commend you for, for highlighting that. But I also want to ask you about the detention center's role in this. What were your findings in that regard? In my perspective, the detention center acted very unethically. So according to the whistleblower, Nurse Wooten, she went to them. So she heard when she was dealing with the other immigrants in the detention center, they would tell her like, oh, I just had this procedure, but I don't know why. And so she went to the heads, the boards of the detention center, and they dismissed her and actually demoted her. She was a nurse and full-time nurse into an on-call position. And so she Which means less hours, which means less income, which means harder to pay the bills, right? Okay. Exactly. And then, so she decided to actually quit her job and go to the media to talk about this because she felt like it was so wrong. I think, I think Nurse Wooten had worked there for, I think, three years, but their People had been claiming this had been happening for a longer time since she had been there. So the detention center had been ignoring these women's accusations towards Dr. X. And it was very upsetting. That's very unethical. I want to talk about vulnerable populations in general. Who are the vulnerable populations that we speak of here? So in this case, of course, we're talking about immigrant women, especially women of color. But in the United States, we could be talking about homeless. We'd be talking about trans folks, we can be talking about so many different populations that are marginalized and vulnerable in in our society. You nailed it. You nailed it. And I'm glad I I hung on to a quote from Healthcare Executive Magazine. This is the November, December 2020 issue of Healthcare Executive. But on the the tale of what you just shared, there is an excellent article by Gail Capazalo. And she wrote, as the COVID-19 pandemic 
continues to surge and protests nationwide call for action to address injustices against the black community, one thing is clear. And I'm hearing your voice of what you just shared, Asia. She wrote, women, people of color, and black individuals are disproportionately affected by inequities exposed and exacerbated in this extraordinary moment in history. That's a current issue of healthcare executives. So I'm proud of the American College of Healthcare Executives to be writing, um, speaking out on this. And I want to position you to share with us your thoughts as a, as a woman of color, as an aspiring physician, what can healthcare leaders, providers, staff, anyone who's listening to your voice right now, what can they do to stand up against these unethical practices? Yeah, this is such a great question. And the first thing I think is that the provider should take quality care of their patients, no matter what their background is. And that is done by listening to their concerns, like making the best decisions, medical decisions based off of what their patient is telling you, not letting your implicit biases like come in and like make you make a prejudgment about your patients, which happens a lot, especially to black patients when they're in pain. And that's a historical issue going all the way back to slavery. Secondly, I feel like medical practitioners should engage in frequent conversations about how to treat populations that are vulnerable and talk about what they can do better. And they should read articles and resources about what these communities need from healthcare providers. Because unfortunately, there's trust has been broken between these populations. So we need to build that trust to, for, for these communities to get better care. And lastly, you know, just making sure that the institution, make sure you're saying like, we, we do not stand for these injustices. We want to take care of patients from all backgrounds and understand we, we're going to try and support them through this, like not supporting any sort of hatred or racist ways. Beautifully said. And it speaks to the humility of, cultural humility of recognizing we need to learn more. We need to, as providers, as leaders, as students, as senior leaders, as senior physicians, all of us, we are, there's always something for us to learn. And you speak about, you touched on being open to that conversation, being open to that learning. And I just want to commend you on that because we need to be reminded as a profession regardless of whether someone's a PT or, or they're a nurse or they're an NP or they're, they work in finance within healthcare. It's, I think, important for, for all of us to be more aware of that. My favorite question to, to ask at the, the end of my show is, if you were standing at the top of the world and you had the attention of all the healthcare providers, all the healthcare professionals on the whole planet for a brief moment, what would you say to us right now? Two things. So the first thing is, all of y'all are doing so great with this pandemic. I know it's been so stressful. So I just want to say thank you for working through this, doing this, taking care of the people who need to be taken care of. This is amazing. And then secondly, I just want to bring up just truly taking care of patients from marginalized communities, listening, providing the best care you can, learning more and being an ally. That's all. Mm. Bah. That's a, that, that is a heart full right there. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Asia, for that. And if folks are interested in following up with you or following your career in the future, 
Um, uh, would LinkedIn be an okay platform? I think we talked spoke yes. about them before, but I'll put in the mm -hmm. show notes. I'm going to include the show notes to the New York Times articles. I'm going to include the Intercept article. I will include links about um, all the sources of information that highlight this article, as well as your information. And certainly I want to encourage folks to be part of the conversation, not just listen, but when you push stop on that, that podcast or that video to carry this forward and remember Asia's voice and remember Asia's message. So Asia, I, I want to thank you for being a guest on the Swift Healthcare podcast. <laughs> it's a joy. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, or leave a review about the show on your favorite platform and learn how to support the podcast as a patron at swifthealthcare.com, where you can also find the show notes and all of our episodes. Thanks for joining us.